Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, night fans? Jeff Sharon here. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, along with Eric Lopez. The football season continues to roll on here, and uh, boy, did we need that one, Eric, didn't we? <laughs> it was nice for a change to have a game that was already decided, and uh, UCF was on the positive end of it, not I the know. negative end. I know. it's It feels like a while since we've blown out somebody, but it was nice to do it. It was nice to do it down in FIU as well. So, like we said, welcome once again. We're going to talk UCF football tonight. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit more about the um, change in the schedule with Texas moving back, some Big 12 talk, and also we're going to uh, touch upon what's going on with volleyball and women's, women's and men's soccer. Don't forget you can uh, reach out to us via Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. You can also reach out to me individually at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric Lopez at Eric Lopez Elo. Sign up for our email newsletters at blackandgoldbanneret.com, and you can hit us up on Facebook uh, as well. So, well, Lopez, let's put a bow on this uh, FIU blowout, 53-14. to 14. Considering that two of the more painful losses that UCF has suffered in the last five years have come at the hands of FIU, this felt good. Now, this FIU team, we said going into it, they're a bad football team. And Ron Turner, their That's head coach, yeah, and Ron Turner, their head coach, was fired less than twenty four hours after the game was over. Um, I'm not a fan of firing coaches in the middle of the season. If they want to resign, that's on them. But um, they're a bad football team, and we did what we were expected to do. Did we not? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really my thoughts on the game. I, I don't. I don't get too high or low about those type of things. They did what they you were never supposed do. to do. <laughs> No, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. They needed to go in there and take care of business against FIU, which I think is one of the five worst teams probably in the, in college football right now. Their program is in disarray, and it's been in disarray since they got rid of Mario Cristobal, and yep. that has backfired on them. I, and I questioned the Ron Turner hire from day one, not that many care, but I do, you know, I'm from down there, so I know the FIU program actually pretty well. Uh, and the university pretty well. And it, it, I just don't think they can compete at a high level consistently with what they're dealing with. And so instead of being critical of Mario Cristobal for whatever, they should have been celebrating him and just let him coach as long as he wanted to. But that's a whole other story for another day. Uh, UCF did what they had to do. They took care of business, uh, you know, really dominated from the get-go and never gave FIU a chance to have a thought that they might have a chance in this game. And that's what you need to do against a team like FIU was playing with a very low confidence. I mean, we can relate to what they're going through. We went through this last year. So um, it was a good performance all around. Uh, I, I don't I don't know, you know, if I, I, I put a lot of stock into what that means moving forward, because, again, I mean, FIU is not very good and you're going to face better teams than that moving forward. But I think you're you feel good that that they put a game together like that and move. And, and now they have some confidence and some momentum heading into conference play. My th first thought on the game was, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. You're supposed to, under the Scott Frost Oregon philosophy, it's jump out on top, score a quick touchdown on your first drive, be aggressive and get the two to go up 8 nothing. not because the one point matters, but just to gain a psychological advantage on your opponent and establish yourself as the hyper-aggressor in the game. Uh, they did so successfully. FIU came back, scored a touchdown of their own to make it 8-7 to seven after a special teams blunder. But then after that, it was over. 45 consecutive points for UCF. Um, Mackenzie Milton looked great, I thought. 
made the key throws, made the right decisions. Um, did leave after taking a pretty tough hit on a roughing the passer call, but uh, in general, I think that was precautionary just to get him out of there because they knew that it was, you know, it was it was basically garbage time. Did have a concern over the Juwan Hamilton injury, although he came back and said that he's he's okay, he's back out there practicing now. Um, I'll tell you, I but watching that uh, that team perform the way they did, and that was a real performance. The first time we've seen a true performance in the sense of the word from the uh, offense in a long time. Um, this was, uh, I, I was, I was really impressed. I was like, boy, if we have, if we get, if this is what it's supposed to look like when this team gets its feet underneath it with the new offense and the new scheme and the new coaching staff and whatnot, it's going to get fun around here real quick. Now I know it's again, it's against FIU, but, I can see UCF as they get the athletes putting up numbers like that in the American. Do you? Well, not, I maybe think not now, goal. but like in the future. That's the vision that Scott Frost has. So, yeah, that's the goal, as I mentioned, for them moving forward. Now, you know, how long does that take? And I think that's the question everybody has is how long before you get it to where you want it to be? Is it a year, two years? Is it this year? I, I think that's the question is, can they do that kind of a performance in conference? I think they can against certain teams, but that's kind of what's interesting is, can this team sneak up, for example, and not only maybe qualify for a bowl game, but maybe make some noise in the conference? I mean, it's a conference that's got some questions. And you look at the first opponent here to opening conference, East Carolina's got a lot of similar questions. They got a new head coach, Scotty Montgomery. And so, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and I think that's what's kind of intriguing about this is certainly where are both programs headed. And I think, yes, I think if you told ask Scott Frost, I think he envisioned uh, Saturday night against better quality opponents to happen on a frequent basis, probably sooner than later, once he gets his players and his personnel in. Uh, keep in mind, he's only had one recruiting class in. And you've seen the impact mm -hmm. that his fresh, freshmen have already made, like Killings and company. Imagine giving them another recruiting signing class, um, one or two of them. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the long-term vision goal for him and the program. Yeah, Killings was a stud on uh, Saturday night against FIU, and I can't wait to see more of him. And a perfect segue as we look forward to UCF's next game uh, Saturday at noon on CBS Sports Network against East Carolina. It's the conference opener. It's in Greenville. Last time we were there, of course, you remember how that went. Hail Mary to Brashad Perriman. Boy, a lot has changed since then. Uh, that was on the last night of the regular season. This is the first conference game uh, of the regular season for the Knights and for the Pirates. Um East Carolina in the first two games, they come in two and two, just as UCF does. Um, wins against Western Carolina and North Carolina State by three in the first two games at home. Then they went on the road, lost to South Carolina in a tight game by five, 20 to 15, and then lost in Blacksburg to Virginia Tech um, and got blown out. Did not look good in that game, 54 to uh, 17. So, um, some numbers that I was able to pull up on the um, on the Pirates right now. Their offense is going to be a problem. They're eighth in the country in passing. This is kind of like the old Shane Carden days, right? Uh, 368 yards uh, passing per game. Now, part of that is because, you know, garbage time against Virginia Tech. Uh, but you got to be at least impressed with putting up those kinds of numbers against North Carolina State and at South Carolina. Um not a very good rushing team. UCF's a better rushing team. They're 90th in the country in rushing, but total offense, top 15. They're 14th in the nation uh, in back of the uh, passing offense. Um, I think this does this can play into UCF's hands in the following respect. Um, we saw how aggressive the defense got against FIU when they gave up the ghost on the run and decided we're going to have, you know, we're that's it. We got to throw. And uh, I, this plays right into that UCF fierce, hashtag UCF fierce or whatever, uh, defense, where you try to force turnovers, bend but don't break, force turnovers, and, uh, and that could present 
some opportunities for UCF. Philip Nelson, the quarterback for East Carolina, senior, uh, through four games, is fifth in the uh, nation in passing yards uh, with uh, almost 1,500 passing yards so far this season on 122 completions, uh, nine touchdowns, and three picks. Uh, but the question is, if I, as I look at the ECU defense, their defense has been pretty weak. They're ranked in the 70s mostly, 72nd against the run, which I think also presents uh, uh, an opportunity for, uh, for UCF as well, given how good the rushing game has been uh, for the night. So uh, I don't know. I think this could be a tight one if things go the way uh, we hope they will, right? Well, yeah, East Carolina, first of all, keep in mind, they played they played NC State in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They then played at South Carolina. I know South Carolina is not very good, but they're an SEC caliber team. Yeah, lost to Will them In a game that they outplayed, and they turned the ball over a lot in that game, did East Carolina. They could have really should have won the game if you watched the game. And then they get, I think they were on empty against Virginia Tech, and Blacksburg's a tough place to play. I mean, that's a tough schedule to play NC State in Charlotte at South Carolina at Virginia Tech. A salute to ECU for doing that. Um, but you're right. They've struggled a little bit running the football. They've been inconsistent. They definitely could throw the football, but they've turnovers. And it really has cost them in those games. And I think physically they've been beaten up by those teams as well. And I think that might explain some of their issues stopping the run and, and so forth. But, um, you know, that's what's interesting. Now they're home for a conference opener, noon game against UCF. And it'll be interesting. I agree with you. I mean, UCF's clearly going to try and run the football. That's their bread and butter. They're, they're, they're going to run the football. And can East Carolina, East Carolina slow it down? But then the concern becomes a time of possession situation. Because UCF's going so fast, do you leave your defense too much on the field against that East Carolina offense? That's what's kind of will be very intriguing to watch as this game unfolds. But you're right. I think UCF's defense – and they've done a good job of this, and, and that's force some turnovers. Force some turnovers, make some plays, get off the field, give your offense a great opportunity in the short field. You're absolutely right. That's a key factor in this football game is I don't think – I think UCF's going to give up yardage, but can they, A, force turnovers, and B, hold them to field goals? And, you know, because yeah. that's what – you know, that's what's kind of been the bugaboo for East Carolina and that South Carolina loss in particular. Is it that, though, the um... – doesn't that even out in a game like this? Like, for example, I mean, if if East Carolina is racking up a bunch of yards through the air, which, by the way, UCF's pass defense this year, 19th in the country in total defense right now through four games, and uh, 27th in team pass efficiency defense, uh, allowing 107.51. But um, doesn't that even out when you have two offenses like this? And, in fact, it may come to UCF's advantage in that they are running the football. And so if you and so if you throttle back the offense a little bit, you can play ball control and keep the ball away from uh, ECU's passing offense. Um, this may play into UC. I'm thinking obviously, you know, with my black and gold colored glasses on, but um, I think that could play into UCF's hands. 26 best rushing offense in the country facing that uh, weak rush defense for ECU. Um, that's a. I think we have some oppor- We're going to have some opportunities to run the football unless ECU suddenly decides that they're going to get hyper-aggressive. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to try and basically force your true freshman quarterback to beat him. Um, That would be what I'm doing if I'm ECU, certainly. And it's going to be up to Mackenzie Milton in this game to uh, come through against the Pirates team that's going to throw a bunch of different looks at him and try and uh, belie their rankings and their numbers to this point in the year. And uh, try and make, uh, try and really confuse him out there. Um, Lord knows FIU didn't do much to confuse him, did they? Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean you did well against FIU. That's one thing. But you know East Carolina, you know turnovers again. It's going to be a factor. UCF can't give East Carolina a short field. That's what. That's the thing. There's such a. I think it's a roller coaster game. I mean it's it's going to yeah, be a roller be a coaster high scoring game. game. I think and I think momentum will be you know back and forth. Uh, the good news for UCF, I like the from a UCF from a UCF perspective is I like the fact that it's a noon game as opposed to a night game. That place is wild, it is loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- and, and 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 I think it's maybe and people aren't going to like some of this. Some people won't. They're hearing this aren't going to like this comment, but I think East Carolina 
from a football atmosphere in the conference might be among the best, if not the best, at that boneyard there at that stadium. And uh, I know people that have gone to those games have had a good time with that. We all remember that two years ago, how loud it could be when East Carolina things were going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and think about it. UCF's only won twice there at East Carolina. We talked about what it took uh, two years ago. UCF almost blew the big league. They had the big Hail Mary to win it. And then they, the other win they did was back in uh, 2005, I believe. And that was a come-from-behind victory, as I recall. So not an easy place to play is kind of my point. So they'll be challenged. But you're. I think, look, I think UCF's going to get their yards, and I think they're going to get their points, and I think East Carolina will get their yards and get their points. It's going to come down to which team – Either you know defense forces turnovers, and I think you know red zone. Yeah. How many touch? You know, are you settling for field goals? Are you going for touchdowns? And in Scott Frost's case, that'll be interesting because as we saw in the Maryland game, Jeff, he's not afraid to go for it on fourth down. So don't assume that hey, it's fourth and three from the fifteen. He's just going to kick. He might go for it. So, uh, very interesting, very interesting game. But I, I think it should be an entertaining game. Um, and, you know, look, I think the offense will have success. And it's a big turnaround from last year when you really didn't have a lot of confidence in e- either side of the ball mo- doing anything. So uh, what's it? What's fascinating to me is how quickly he has changed the personality, Jeff, of this offense to yeah. the point where you feel – I think you feel going in, you feel pretty good that they can move the football. And that's not just us. Those are uh, now the opponents are realizing that Scotty Montgomery this week, Jeff, in the teleconference talked about how the UCF's offense, everybody's having some fun. I look forward to a great, exciting matchup. Coach Frost has done a good job uh, with this group. Uh, They've also had some big time games and non-conference schedules. They'll be battle tested as well. And we're looking forward to getting to the AAC. What, what he's been able to do is he's been able to completely change the culture from an offensive standpoint. They look like they're having a good time. Uh, also, you got to have a lot of respect for someone that can get a freshman ready to play. And uh, he has McKenzie ready to play. And, and moving forward, I think he's going to be a good option for him. Uh, he's got a lot of talent outside as well. And, you know, Trey Cohen Smith was the rookie of the year last year in the AAC. That doesn't go lightly. And uh, he, he's done a good job until this point. Uh, but but it looks like they're having a, a good time playing football despite who they play. They play some big-time opponents, and they've done well. Boy, isn't it something? How, uh, what a difference a year makes, hearing uh, Scotty Montgomery uh, say that about UCF's offense, which was, I mean, gosh, I don't, need to, I don't mean to bring it up again, but it was so dreadful last year. Um, and by the way, I wanted to second you on that point you made about the Boneyard. I would argue that um, the three best uh, non-UCF home field advantages in the conference are at East Carolina at the top, yeah. uh, followed by Cincinnati and Houston. Uh, I think that with, with the on-campus stadium at Houston, that things have really it, that it that's that's a pretty that's, when it's when it's jumping. Those are three nasty places to play, and we're going to find that out on Saturday too. I mean, we have one there before, obviously, but um, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But yeah, I, but going back to the offense. Um, Boy, it's really it's really something hearing these coaches talk about how, uh, and that's coming off of looking at the film, man. They look, they know what they're looking at on Sundays yeah. when they get when they get the tape, and um, and I'm sure they look at this saying, "Wow, this is a whole new ball game that we're that we're preparing for against uh, UCF." So, what do you do? Right, that's going to be the question. What do you do? But that's what's intriguing, though. At the same time, and, and Scott Frost alluded to this in the teleconference he was in. You know, Scotty Montgomery, he's trying to change the program over there in the culture. And he feels that UCF's got to play better than they have played so far. They, you know, they certainly they could have been three and one. They're off to a good start, but they're going to have to get better if they want to do in conference, especially East Carolina. Uh, we played the most complete game we've played. Thought we improved on all, in all three phases. Uh, East Carolina is going to be a, a test. They're a, a physical, uh, aggressive team. We're looking forward to playing conference games. Our goal is to improve every week, and we have done that. Um, I would love to be four and zero or three and one right now. So we're we're never going to be satisfied. But uh, I know that we're we've been a better team every week than we that we've played. And um, if we stay on that course, I think we're going to be in every game that we play this year the rest of the way and have a chance to win them. And 
then it's just comes down to which way the ball bounces and whether or not we can make plays when it matters. Um, and and I think this conference is so good top to bottom that a lot of things have to go right and we have to play our best game. Well, I think we learned, you know, the good thing that I thought from last week's game and heading into this East Carolina game is that it looked like UCF really did learn from their errors that they committed yeah. against Maryland, which is what we were hoping for. Um, the other thing that I was really encouraged by is how much confidence the both sides of the ball are playing with right now. This is a team that had that had zero confidence last year, uh, and they're playing confident football for the first time in really since the the end of the Fiesta Bowl year. Um, after they you know had all those heart stopping games where they realized that you know that it, it didn't it didn't really matter if we have a shot at the end of the game we're going to get it. Um, that's and as a fan, that's fun to see when you see your team, when you see your school and your team have that level of confidence. They have. You're right, Jeff. They have. But I want to see this team on the road, and you know, I'm throwing out the Michigan game. I mean, that's a whole different animal, different. Yeah, piece. I would too. Yep. I want to see how this team handles the road at East Carolina in a very intense situation, back and forth game. And how do they handle it? I'll be very intrigued by that. And so we'll see what happens on Saturday. I think it'll be interesting to see what they learn and how they come out. I think we'll have a better idea of what this team is capable of doing the rest of the season based on how they perform on this Saturday. If they were to win against East Carolina and look impressive, I think the conversation now all of a sudden is like, wow, hey, you know, all of a sudden we're three and two and maybe this team could challenge and be at the top of the Eastern division and be a bold team. Whereas if this team loses, then you're like, well, all right, we're, we're pretty much, you know, we're still building. We're still building. So it's, it's an interesting game uh, for both sides. And I think you, East Carolina fans are probably saying the same thing about their this situation. So um, very interesting game. Uh, and the fact that both sides are trying to see, figure out who they are as far as moving forward with the new coaching staff, I think makes this game very intriguing. Yeah, I had this game at the start of the year down as a, down as an L uh, for UCF, but I'm pulling up the uh, the line here. The latest line, eh, it depends on where you look. But Oh, actually, pretty much everything is three and a half for uh, East Carolina on the home field. And, I, and the money's been on UCF in that, because I believe when the week started, East Carolina was anywhere between a six and seven point. Yeah, it got knocked so. down. It, it got knocked down from seven, so... A lot yeah. of people are jumping on the UCF bandwagon. I'm going to be interested to see if that line moves again late uh, with regard to that. So, uh, like I said, noon kickoff on Saturday. It's going to be on CBS Sports Network. Uh, That's right. Dave Ryan, your yeah. old buddy. My my old college professor, Dave Ryan. Gosh, don't let him. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I can't believe I just called you my old college professor. But uh, my professor from Syracuse. Dave Ryan will be uh, on the call once again, as he was for the Maryland game as well. Correct. Yeah, he'll be calling the game with Corey Chavis, former NFL player for the Minnesota Vikings, defensive back, and uh, Melon Collins down on the sideline. And actually, Dave Ryan, depending on when you're listening to this, will be on Tuck and O'Neill on Friday. So uh, the show oh, from 3 to 6, 30, 3 to 7. I will... We'll be filling in for Jerry because Jerry will be traveling. Uh, we're up to Greenville for the football game, so it'll be yours truly and Mike Tuck. And uh, I'll get to chat with Dave Ryan, who I have worked with. I have worked as his spotter in the past for uh, when he's done UCF home games. Great guy, and, and, and I really enjoy chatting with him every time I, I get a chance to see him when he's doing either UCF football games or basketball games for CBS Sports Network. Very smart. I learned a lot when I worked with him as a spotter, Just and you can attest to that. Very attention to detail, very cool, down to earth, very always prepared. Yeah, you learn exactly why I took his sports reporting class when I was in grad super school talented. at Syracuse. Yeah, super, super talented. It, it calls lacrosse. I think he's, I mean, the best lacrosse voice in the country. I mean, that's not an easy sport to call. And he calls it obviously being from Syracuse. Mm. Uh, that's a big deal with lacrosse, but he calls that on the national landscape with radio. He does basketball. He could do. Ba I mean, there's not a sport he can't do. He's, he was one uh, of ESPN's hockey guys when ESPN had the NHL. Yes. Still, that's a great point. You're right. Uh, hockey guy, versatile, very versatile. Did he could do sideline? That's what he did at ESPN for a while as well. So uh, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, it's always been tremendous. And he's 
he's got a good deal going with Corey Chavis. I know they've, yeah. uh, you know, he's been, he's been working with a lot of analysts, but Chavis has kind of been there now the last couple of years. Uh, when you look at the CBS Sports Network, that's their one A, one B type of a type of a group. I mean, they have Carter Blackburn with Aaron Taylor's another group they like, but uh, Ryan and uh, you know they usually do the marquee American Conference games for that network. Yep, two Syracuse guys, Carter Blackburn and uh, Dave Ryan on their crews. So uh, uh, that'll Unbelievable. be a, I know. What <laughs> How a many Syracuse people you got? <laughs> it's almost like you got to oh. ask, who, who are the guys who aren't Syracuse guys that are doing play-by-play right. play on these networks? So 12 noon on uh, CBS Sports Network, UCF, and uh, East Carolina. All right, when we get back, we got a little schedule news for, uh, for UCF coming up uh, after the break and uh, what that has to do with the stupid Big 12 story that – Everyone in UCF land now hates all of a sudden. Stick around. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fegley. This is Trey Strelka with the UCF Nightline Podcast, the original, the number one rated UCF sports podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, it's UCF underscore Nightline and at www.ucfnightlinepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to us as well on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And when you get sick of listening to these guys, make sure you look us up. Don't forget, that's the UCF Nightline Podcast. Go Knights! Charge on. Now, back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Thank you, Trace, and uh, welcome back to the fastest-growing UCF sports podcast, the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez, with you once again. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the Big 12, our favorite topic of discussion. Uh, And this all started, actually, um, earlier this week. Uh, UCF announced that their 2017 expected matchup with Texas on the non-conference schedule is being pushed back to 2023. So you, so what that means is UCF in 2017, this is kind of nice, the Knights are going to have seven home games, three non-conference games at home, one non-conference game on the road, and then the, uh, and then the, t- the usual suspects uh, in conference Four conference games at home, four on the road, of course, uh, in the American. So, with regard to that situation, Eric, what did... Now, I remember it was you who told me that if you want to know what schools are thinking in terms of conferences and realignment and all that kind of stuff, look at their future schedules and see who they're playing and where they're playing them and when they're playing them. So UCF pushes back against Texas six years. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you, like, hey, if the UCF's ever in the Big 12, that's an easy uh, switcheroo, right? I mean, that's an easy game to maneuver. Now, I believe uh, this was a move that was done by UCF, uh, at least according to the Texas press release. Uh, which was my favorite part about this, how Texas pretty much went out of their way to say, uh, per UCF's request, yeah. uh, that was entertaining. I don't know if this is – I don't think there's a there's a, a connection to the Big 12 realignment in this particular case. I think this was a case where, in you, some UCF standpoint, look, you look at the schedule, they are hosting Georgia Tech next year, September 16th. They go to Maryland September 23rd. And I think if you're playing at Texas a week before the Georgia Tech game, a Texas team that's going to return a lot of personnel from a very young, talented football team, including Bichelle, the quarterback, and among others. Let's be honest here, Jeff. That's probably not a game UCF's going to be really have a, a, a great shot to winning. Keep in mind that would be year two of Scott Frost. You're still building a program. Yeah, but and, Texas right now is starting to finally get some momentum under Charlie Strong, aren't they? No, they are, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think, I think when you're building a program like UCF, I think Scott brought, the the pro, the philosophy is we you know we're not ready for that stage, you know per se. Uh, look what happened with the Michigan game, and I I'm a proponent of I'm all good for playing those games. I think you have to go out there and play those games, but there is the thought. You play those games. If you get your brains beat, you lose some confidence. And then let's say you play that game next year at Texas and you lose. Now all of a sudden you got a quick turnaround. You got to play Georgia Tech. Now you lose that game. Now things could snowball for your season. So you look at it now. They're going to open the season with FIU at home. 
as of now, now that's going to be interesting. September 9th now is open. It's a bye week. Now, there are some teams in the conference that have the same bye date on September 9th, and the American has scheduled games in week two of the season. I don't believe UCF will be involved in that, but maybe they would. Who knows? Uh, but the main thing is if they don't schedule a conference game there, UCF will have two weeks to prepare for Georgia Tech, mm -hmm. which if Paul Johnson is still the head coach at Georgia Tech at this time next year, that means you get two weeks to prepare for that triple option. Which, at home. At home, which is not an easy offense to prepare with. I know some people on, on UCFsports.com and the message boards and others have thrown out the idea, hey, you know, if they play Navy on the ninth, for example, who runs a similar offense to Georgia Tech, you know, that's a bit of an advantage. I don't agree with that because first of all, Navy's. Yeah, I was going to say I don't agree with that either. Navy could Navy could be pretty good. Correct. Well, that and Navy's a conference game, so I would. Yeah. I don't want to tune up with a conference game. Uh, so I, I don't. But now, now you know, and and we're making a lot of assumptions. I'm I'm the one that is not convinced that Paul Johnson will even be there at Georgia Tech next year. We'll see how they do the rest of the year. But I think if Georgia Tech has a mediocre year coming off a mediocre year last year with new athletic director Todd Stansberry, by the mm -hmm. way. That's correct. That, that broke earlier in the week that he's now the yeah. athletic director at his alma mater, Georgia Tech. There's going to be a lot of friends, uh, old buddies, uh, seen at that Georgia Tech-UCF game. I have a feeling I would next not year. be surprised if that's if that's the George O'Leary uh, statue oh, that's game. A, oh, I that's agree. That's got to be a right? lock, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, if you had to make a Vegas odds, I mean, that's even money, right? I mean, that's... He'll be there. Stansberry's there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But so, look, that's the strategy with the schedule. I know some people are disappointed because they were planning on going to Texas and it's a big game and all that. Uh, but, you know, there are different philosophies into that. And uh, so, look, I mean, I think Scott Frost would tell you, look, if we beat FIU, now we got two weeks to prepare for Georgia Tech. You win that game. You're two and zero. You got some momentum going into Maryland. Maybe you steal that. Now all of a sudden you might have a ten, you know, nine, ten win year. But more importantly, you're still building confidence into a young team. This is still going to be a young team next year, Jeff. And in particular, with a young quarterback, still you still got young running backs. You're going to add more freshmen into another class into that. So um, I think if this was four or five years down the road and the program has been established, I think they would have kept that Texas game. But I think, you know, a combination of reasons, I think that's probably why that change was made. Um, what's interesting for me, I will be completely honest with you. I've, uh, I've, I'm curious how the schedule will break out because UCF will travel to Maryland and to Navy next year mm -hmm. in the Baltimore. I have family up there. So I actually have a place to stay. So I will – I'm intriguing. I hope that those two games are separated in that the Maryland game's already in September. So I would like the Navy game to be in October or November. I don't want both to be in September, let's say, or a week or two after that because then I'm not going to make two trips back-to-back -back like that. But I might make two trips, and I think some UCF fans might feel the same way. They might go to Maryland in September and may go back for Navy in, in October or November, late October, November, but they won't do the same trip back to back weeks. So it's going to be interesting how the schedule plays out from that standpoint. I would love uh, to make that trip, by the way, to D.C. because I love Washington, D.C. I mean, it's it, well, it, you, well, Maryland in College Park, you know, right down the right. way, just outside the Beltway. So here's the question then and, uh, you know, out to the audience. Which one would you pick if you were if you can only pick like. If you don't want to make that trip twice, right? Because te technically it's the same trip. Uh, Annapolis, and I've been, you know, I've been to a Maryland game actually in 2013. I've been to that stadium. They played FIU that year uh, when I went up there for Labor Day weekend to uh, see family. Would you rather go to the Maryland game or would you rather go to the Navy game? From a purely touristy fan perspective, I would go to the Navy game. Because I think that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Annapolis is beautiful, and nothing against D.C., which uh, I lived uh, a place where I lived briefly, and actually I met my wife there. Uh, but it is congested; it is a pain in the neck to get around. Yep. And yep. if you want to go visit D.C. from Annapolis, it's only about uh, a forty-five minute drive. Correct. And Correct. Uh, you know, but but you have the option to do that. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Plus, Annapolis is just a beautiful little town um it's great to go on a little i went on a little went up there for a wedding a couple years ago uh you get a little tour of the u.s naval academy which is astoundingly small 
It is tiny. I've been on high schools that were bigger campuses. Um, so you've been there. Yeah, I've been to Annapolis before, but it is a beautiful little town. Great food. Uh, you can go get some. You know, you can you know rent a boat, go out on the go out on the bay for a little bit. It's fantastic. I would totally go to Annapolis. All right, you may have convinced me then. So maybe you've made my decision for me next year. I might just pick that one then, since I've already done Maryland. I've been to a Maryland game up there anyway already. Plus, I want so some I might... crab cakes too. Okay, good point. Now let's do this. Let's let's do the audience a favor here, Jeff. Because let's okay. there are night fans that are disappointed that the Texas game is off the table now, at least for another six years, because you know, a lot of them are maybe making plans to go to Austin as their one, you know, their run road game, let's say, or whatever. So now that that's off the table, how would you rank the UCF road games from a traveling standpoint next year? We've talked about Navy. We've talked about Maryland. They're also going to Temple in Philadelphia, another yeah, big market. I'm ranking uh, that one last. We got Cincinnati and SMU. SMU, of course, in Dallas, fourth in the area. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, in Cincinnati. Those are your uh, road destinations. How would you rank those five road games? I would I would rank the uh, the Maryland and or I would rank the the Navy and the Maryland games up at the top. All right, and then I would have a lot of <laughs> a long way to the next one. The next one would be Dallas, um, because it's the Metroplex, big city. It'll be yeah. easy to get into and out of. Um, Cincinnati would be next. Because um, that's going to be a great road atmosphere, and it's going to be a big game, I think. And um, actually, no, I would rank Cincinnati up above SMU because of the significance of the game. And then dead last, of course, would be Temple. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Come on, man! No one wants to go to Philadelphia. No one wants to go to Why Philadelphia. Not? Liberty because Bell, it's, because it's Philadelphia. Look at you! It's like it, because it's, I would rather go to Cleveland. No, oh, that's getting carried away. Man. No, Look it's it. not. At least Cleveland State has fight. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you know. Um, now, a lot of this obviously would be impacted by when these games are. If you remember the last time UCF was at SMU in 2013, it turned into the Ice Bowl. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but know. I mean that that was a that was a that was an anomaly. I mean, you can't. Well, really... I'm just saying. I mean, that will impact some people's decisions, like you said. Like, let's be honest. If Temple's in November, that's gonna that's gonna deter a lot of you know some people to go to philadelphia or cincinnati's late in november that made it deter some people from going up there plus it's such a bad environment i mean temple has probably the worst home field advantage in the conference they get about 500 people a game i mean what if there's a what if there's an eagles game like the next day even do a double oh great even worse yeah like i want to me a giants fan i want to go to an eagles game yeah right you got to be kidding me i'm with you i would do the (laughs) maryland and or navy uh, trip. Yeah, that would be one, one, two. You know, I, I, I've been to Maryland. I rec. I, I think it's good. I will say, you get cheap tickets too. Uh, I, I sat right behind the visiting bench for like five bucks because nobody cares about football in Maryland. So <laughs> very nice, yeah, very nice stadium though. Bird Stadium has been around very for nice. a long time. Oh, yeah, very nice yeah, place yeah, to see a football the turtle. Game. Yeah, no, and I like the campus. I drove by the campus there when I was there in 2013. So I, I would recommend that one. I, I'm probably. I think you've talked me into going to Navy. Uh, I think that I've not been to Annapolis, so I, I could see myself doing that uh, if I don't do both trips. Uh, I'm with you. I would do Cincinnati uh, because obviously the, it's a big city and stuff like that. I, I think I would go with third. Uh, I'm not as anti Philly as you got as you are, uh, but uh, <laughs> I would say um, at that point it depends. Like when's the SMU game? When's the Temple game? What's going on around it? Certainly Dallas, for example, like, for example, if the Cowboys, for example, have a home game or, or the Rangers are in the playoffs, that might entice me to go to SMU and make a double dip out of that. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm very big on that. I like to double dip and do sporting events like that. Uh, like I did the year that I went to the Maryland game. Well, the reason why I went to the Maryland FIU game, that was the year. And Knights fans will remember this. UCF opened the season on that Thursday night at home against Akron, I believe. And they won very comfortably. And then they played FIU the following week. Well, FIU was just so happens was opening the season at Maryland. So I was already up there. So I went up to that. And then I went to a nationals uh, baseball game on Sunday night baseball against the Mets that week. And it was a fun weekend with the family and everything took the, my nephew and my niece to the games. And I watched FIU then. 
And so I kind of knew at that time, wow, UCF's going to crush him. And that's what they did the following week when I went down to Miami to see UCF crush FIU 38 to nothing. And then the next day when I went down to Miami that year, I went UCF FIU on Friday night. Then I went and covered the Miami Florida game in the thought, what's called now Hard Rock Stadium, whatever the, the hell it's called, won, whatever it's called. <laughs> and then later that night, because that Miami Florida game was a noon kickoff, I went to the Marlins. Uh, home game against the Washington Nationals, ironically enough, that night. It was the first time I went to Marlins Park since it opened. So I'm big on multitasking and doing multiple things. And I think what you know, you've know, pointed out, Navy and the reason I like Navy and I like Maryland, there's a lot of things you can schedule around that. You, know, if you, you could go visit D.C. if you want to. You could go visit the Naval Academy if you want to. Uh, usually the Orioles or the Nationals, one of them will be in town uh, you know, so for in September, so you could in theory plan on a Nationals game that weekend of the Maryland game or an Orioles game, for example. So I mean, there's a lot of options, and that's why a lot of times I'll make those decisions based on that alone. And it could be the same thing with Philadelphia or SMU for that matter. Maybe there's a Mavericks game or there's a Sixers game or a Flyers game. It just depends. So I think the good thing, though, yes, you lose Texas, but at least. I think as a as a fan, I think you have some uh, attractive options, though, right? To travel. Oh yeah, oh yeah, certainly, and, and that's and that's the good part is, and I like the fact that they actually try to schedule these games. Now UCF is in a position where they can get some really good um, road play. By the way, if you go to Annapolis, make sure you hit Chicken Ruth's Deli and get the um, and get the crab cakes because they're amazing over there. Now here's another thing I want to talk about. Uh, it seems right now. Eric, that the bottom is falling out of Big 12 expansion by the day. A couple things happen. Number one, um, this was reported in, uh, by Chuck Carlton uh, with the Dallas Morning News that uh, David Boren, the president of uh, the University of Oklahoma, who had been the leading proponent along with um, the commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, Boren had been the leading proponent of expansion to this point, suddenly has reversed course and said, and I quote, and now SI was the first to report this, so Carlton's giving credit to them, but um, the quote from Boren is, quote, I do not know where the speculation came from, but Oklahoma has not taken a position on expansion, end quote. <laughs> What a clown. So, hey, David, maybe which, you ought to look back at some of the comments you made during the Big 12 meetings yeah. in the past, buddy. Which prompted uh, T. Boone Pickens, the, uh, the guy who basically owns Oklahoma State University, oil magnate, um, on the Austin American Statesman podcast, Pickens said, quote, I've known David forever. He likes to talk. He gets a little bit confused sometimes, end quote. This whole thing has turned into such a spectacular cluster. Now, it's left to the reporters to try and figure out, like, what does this really all mean? And I give guys credit, you know, like Chuck Carlton credit. A lot of people have been throwing stuff up against the wall, seeing what sticks. Carlton's been really good on this, so I give him a lot of credit. Um, the idea right now, I think, what's happening is that this is about, you know, football in – Oklahoma and Texas, which is the center of gravity of the Big 12, is about politics. We've always been saying that. Politics is the art of the possible. I believe that David Bourne is not finding it possible to find two or four expansion candidates that are amenable to enough schools to get the votes that they need and the networks. And that's unfortunate because, as I've said before, the Big 12, I really believe, is playing the short-term game. We mentioned 2023 is when UCF pushed the Texas game back. That's also the year that the Big 10's uh, uh, TV contract comes up next, 2023. Yep. The Big 12 grant of rights goes till 2025. I believe that the Big 12 and the presidents in it are trying to keep the conference together only until then. And, then, and they're not thinking long-term. 
And I've said this before. You see, if you're talking about a long-term benefit from expansion, there's no question that UCF is the school to go with. I wrote this last week during the um, yeah, uh, uh, after the USF war on I four rivalry thing came down. That when you look at the numbers, the sheer numbers in terms of client base, UCF is pumping out 15,000-odd graduates a year, more than UF, more than USF, more than Florida State, more than a lot of schools <laughs> out there in the country right now. Um, there is, if you're thinking long-term, UCF is a shoe in but that's the problem, is the Big 12 is not thinking long-term. They can't think long-term with Oklahoma and Texas already sniffing around for greener pastures. They have to think short-term, and I think when the meetings roll around now in, what, less than three October weeks? 17th. October 17th. I think they're going to say they're not going to expand to anybody. I could see them delaying that. Um, here's the problem. He's, it's no secret. David Bourne has, from what I've been told, and it's been some people have speculated this, that it's covered this. He wants BYU, and he's also interested in Connecticut. Obviously, BYU is a very touchy subject with the controversy with them and the honor code. And touchy? They're radioactive. That's fair. I mean, you said it better than I can. But he doesn't care. He wants BYU. That's what I've been told. And he's interested in Connecticut. And other schools don't want that. So that's part of the problem. So I think part of this, he might just say, well, if you're not going to do what I want as far as the teams I want, then I'm going to take my ball and go home. And I'll just stay here because here's the thing. Oklahoma and Texas, you're right. In about six to seven years, they can go and they'll be have markets available to them. The Big Ten will go chasing them. The SEC will go chasing them. The Pac-12. So they have options. Uh, so I think that's part of the problem here is that everybody has their own agendas. And that's why I, it's, I, I get annoyed with this topic because I think people think somehow believe – that this is some sort of open process. Like somehow everybody has a chance in this. And right. I have always believed like that. Like it's nobody. the bachelor. <laughs> Correct. And that's not the case. I've always believed that Texas and Oklahoma, there's certain schools that they want. And in Oklahoma's case, they've always wanted BYU and they've always wanted Cincinnati. And now Texas wants Houston in because of the side deals they've set with Houston and the politics and all that stuff. So to me, that's the story, is how do they get to that point? Now, I was also told that one of the other issues is this, and, and, and this is why I don't get as all up in arms about this one way or the other like some fans do, because I think most fans believe that the reason, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to get into this conference, it's an open market, it's the best deal for everybody. And we're going to make not. a lot of money, $25 million a year. No, sure. no, no. Right. That's not going to happen. I've been told it's not going to happen. Whoever gets in, even if they expand, let's say they just decide to expand in a year from now, two years from now. What they're going to do is they're going to go up to that school. Let's get, let's use Houston as an example. Hey, Houston, you want in the Big 12. All right, we'll let you in. But you're not going to make any of the extra money that we're going to make based on expanding and realignment. No, 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 no. We're going to give you pretty much the same money that you've been making at the American Conference. Maybe we'll throw in some pocket change, and that'll be it. And you're going to take that deal until for the next six to seven years. Deal? Okay, great. That's what's going to happen. So I hope that fans don't get this. And it reminds me, remember the Big East when uh, UCF was going to the Big East and everybody envisioned, oh, we're going to make $11 million a year and this and that. What happened, Jeff? It blew up. And they didn't get $11 million, did they? Nope. And I think that's what's going to happen here for the Big 12. They're, they're going to be in demise because they can't help themselves. Everybody has their own agendas. And what's going to happen is I think eventually they'll probably expand. But whoever they expand with is not going to make that much more money. They're probably going to make an extra million or two, maybe more, than they're, what they're currently making in their own conferences until the conference just goes their separate ways when this contract comes out in six, seven, eight years, and then Oklahoma will go to a big conference at SEC or Big Ten, and Texas will go SEC or Big Ten, and then other schools will go to the Pac-12. And then what? Yeah. You're left with that. So that's why I don't get caught up with it. And that's why I am 100% in agreement with Danny White's statement 
when he says that the goal at UCF right now is to become a top 25 athletic department. And I 100% agree with that because if you do that, if you do that, if you just work, worry about yourself and become a top 25 athletic department in all sports and you become a draw, now all of a sudden you become more attractive for future possibilities. And now you, you put yourself in better positions. Worry about that and what you can control and not stuff that is beyond your control. That's why I've always said I think UCF will be fine either way. I don't believe in gloom and doom and, oh, my God, what's going to happen if we don't get into the Big 12? We're just going to keep growing. We're going to keep yeah. growing. That's a fabulous That's it. point. It's a fabulous We're keep point. Growing. And Mark Daniels, through his uh, radio show's Twitter account, the Beat of Sports, echoed this. Mm-hmm. When he said uh, yesterday, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, so he said this on a Tuesday afternoon. He said, if you have to leave TV dollars on the table going in and the biggest brands won't commit long-term to stay, what exactly are you joining? Right. Amen. Exactly. Um, that's, ex- that's a fantastic the, point. The, and fr- I just the fraud that the Big 12 has perpetrated on the fans of not just UCF, but all the schools who've been involved in this expansion process borders on criminal, in yeah. my opinion. And, and, and look, I've been told – here's one of the problems I've been told. If they even decided to expand – first of all, can they even agree on who to expand with? That's the biggest problem. But right. That's, what they're, that's what they're saying that Boren is saying is that, right. is that he, he – it's it's that yeah they're in favor of expansion but no one can agree on who right and here's the problem let's say they did agree on it who's going to pay them that money because Oklahoma and Texas will say we're, we're, we're you guys pick up the chain you pick up that money you guys give that new guy that money we're not we're not chipping in and then the other schools are like what do you mean you're not going to chip in if you're not going to chip in why should we chip in and that's the kind of stuff that's going on with this nonsense um, and look. Uh, I can tell you that, I mean, there, there was reported recently on the Oklahoma papers, the Big 12 was naive enough. They thought as of June and July, they still thought they had a shot to get Florida. There were some schools that thought they had a shot to get Florida State and Clemson once the ACC deal went through. And then what happened? The ACC got the TV network. The only reason why the Big 12 even announced that they wanted to expand is because they got all mad because the ACC told them we don't have the money for a Big 12 network, but then they went ahead and write a deal to get the ACC network. That's what this yeah. is about. Plus, they, and, um, uh, plus the fact that the ACC locked up all of its schools in another grant of rights, so you can't you correct. can't pry them they're out of there. Untouchable. Correct. And this is where now the Big 12 is getting to a problem because they're they're starting to tick people off. Let me read you this tweet: Chris Fowler, who yep. is the voice now of college football, all right, and the most powerful network. For college football. This is what he tweeted out about earlier this week. Quote on a Twitter. Is the Big 12 expanding? I don't know. But I know this. My interest in following the various twists and turns is contracting rapidly. In other words. Join the club, Chris. (laughs) No, but that's the thing. You're agitating people with this. It's kind of like the cry wolf. Oh, we're going to expand. Well, we're not going to expand. Well, we're going to expand. Well, we're not going to. I think you lose credibility if you're the Big 12 the more you do this. So it'll be interesting what they come out with on October 17th from a statement standpoint. I agree with you. I And I've said this for the last two months. I felt if they were going to expand in this calendar year or early next year, it was going to be Houston and Cincinnati or bust. I don't think they're going to do that because I just don't think they just can't get on the same page. And I think there's serious questions when they expand and with who they expand and how productive that's going to be for everybody. This is not a league that to me uh, has a bright future. I think it's headed in the same direction that the old big East did. And look again, from a UCF standpoint, I've said it, they're going to be fine either way because you got to grow your brand. You didn't lose anything. You know, schools like USF Connecticut, they lost something. They were in a power conference and they're not anymore. UCF didn't lose that. And I think UCF still growing and there will be opportunities down the road in the future, whether, whether it be eight years, 10 years, 20 years. But if you build your product and you build your brand, then people will come knocking on your door. And as I had said, and I refer back to this in the column I wrote uh, about the war on I-4, 15,000 graduates a year, man, 15,000 people donating to the athletic department, going to games as alumni um, and over the long term, 
you're going to get a lot of big donors over time. But it's a long-term process. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, UCF's administration knows that. They're not stupid. And uh, But this Big 12 story is stupid. It's the stupidest story in all of college sports, and I would like to be done with it now. What do you say? Amen. Move on. Just, just focus on the field. One last one last thing, though. I will say, that, and, and and we're going to get a lot of people saying, well, what does Chris Fowler know? Chris Fowler knows stuff. This guy is the ace in the hole for ESPN on-air talent. As far as I'm concerned, if he says it, it's the, this, isn't a, this, this is not Chris Fowler pulling a Bill Simmons, okay? No. This is, uh, this to me, in my opinion, I'm just one guy, but in my opinion, this has the weight of basically a corporate statement and by the way because i've people have thrown this out there well does the big 12 really need espn to make their new deal and stuff like that if ESPN's not happy with them yeah they do yeah they do they control college football the playoffs going to be there and espn's going to do everything they do to keep it uh yeah you better make sure espn's happy that's why the bcs and the playoff did not happen without espn say so so if espn tells you big 12 hey you're not expanding then guess what? You're probably not going to expand. And remember, they host, they still own the Longhorn Network, so there's not much. You know, it's it's not like it, they're still going to have some control. So I I just think that uh, uh, I thought it was a mistake for the Big Twelve to even announce the expanding pot process. They should have said, you know what, we're just putting that in the back burner. Let's enjoy this football season and do that service to their athletic teams. But clearly, they didn't because they're idiots, and uh, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, let's be done with this story now before we get any more angry. All right, let's move on to uh, what else is going on the uh, in UCF world. Um, volleyball on the road for the uh, first time in conference play uh, this year. The Knights 12-3, and off to a great start. Won their first two conference matches at home in, uh, in dominant fashion over USF and Memphis. We talked about the USF match. Uh, last week, but the Memphis match was a pretty impressive victory over a team that was actually pretty undersized. But the Knights, uh, believe it or not, before you, if you're going up to Greenville and you're going to be there a day early, um, go to the UCF at East Carolina volleyball match. Ah, uh, see, now you're thinking like Friday, I like Friday night. Yep, Friday night, five thirty p.m. Nice. in Greenville, UCF and East Carolina support the Knights. Uh, give a, a on a on a critical road match, okay? Because after that Sunday they go to Cincinnati. Uh, that match is at one p.m. That's going to be a big one for the Knights too. Uh, that Cincinnati match. I know. And Todd Dagenet, the head coach, has talked before about uh, the significance of those Sunday matches, particularly on the road. See if he could steal a couple of them. That would be a nice match for them to uh, steal before they come home. October 7th, Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Before the Tulane football game is uh, the volleyball match against Houston. Make sure you come out to the venue for that. That's Friday, October 7th at 4 p.m. Get out of work early. It's fun. Um, Soccer. Moving into conference play, the uh, women's team. And uh, even though they had the uh, difficulties with the early season schedule right now, they're standing at 5-4. they're finally going to be back out there. They had an 11-day layoff. Um, they will be playing on the 29th, uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. at home against Houston. And then uh, Sunday, October 2nd against SMU. The Knights, like I said, 5-4, and four, but their four losses were to nationally ranked Florida, nationally ranked Duke, nationally ranked North Carolina, uh, and nationally ranked South Carolina. So, um, and of course, they got... They've been scoring a lot of goals of late, in particular in the uh, in the games against FIU, Florida, Gulf Coast. Um, this will be a big match for them on Thursday, the 29th. Um, now's the time for them, right, to get going in conference play right now, huh? No question. This is what you, you've been playing for. You played a tough schedule. You scheduled a tough schedule to get yourself ready for the conference. And that's begins against Houston, but uh, you're right. They're absolutely right. This is a team... And I think there's been a lot of positives from an offensive standpoint. They've shown they, they face adversity coming back from deficits, two goal deficits on a, multiple occasions. This is what it's all about. And especially with that program, they know what's at stake. They didn't win the regular season title or the conference tournament last year. 
you know, they still made the NCAAs and at large, but, you know, and, and I know internally they were disappointed with that. You've got USF, you've got Connecticut there, are the, probably the two top contenders. As I've mentioned before in the previous podcast, the team that wins the regular season championship will have the opportunity to host the conference tournament uh, potentially on their racket, as I like to say. So uh, these games are big, and it's big for UCF and uh, you know, they get, they, this is a good start to get going home. It'll be interesting how they come out 11 days. There's pros and cons to that. The, the positive, you can say they're very fresh. They should be fresh, healthy, rested. The, the negative, the concern would be, are they too rested? Are they going to come out rusty? Uh, who knows? We'll find out. But, uh, this is where the, the getting, getting good because usually about, you can only really afford maybe one conference loss, if you want to win the regular season title, maybe tiebreakers come into play. But uh, these will be very important matches, and you don't want to take anybody lightly in the conference, and especially UCF, because they're going to be the target when everybody, when when you when women's soccer, when they see UCF on the schedule, they circle that game, and there will be no difference. So um, should be interesting how they get off to us because the starting conference play. Yeah, not only that, but also the fact that you you got to defend the home field also, and that's key. Men's mm-hmm. soccer uh, coming off of a tough two to one loss uh, to USF in the um, in the uh, war on I four. Uh, that's six points to USF in the uh, standings right there, two to one at uh, at UCF with a sixty fifth minute goal. Um, back at it October first this Saturday, seven p.m. So after the East Carolina football game. If you head over to the UCF Soccer and Track Complex, you can see the Knights take on SMU again Saturday at uh, 7 p.m. Pretty good SMU team, by the way, um, and a team that's uh, and a UCF men's soccer team that's gotten off to that rough start right now, one and five. We mentioned the schedule problems that they've had with two games being canceled, um, two of them potentially winnable games, certainly, um, and now coming toward the end of this long uh, homestand. Two more games on the long homestand before they go out on the road for thir- for three consecutive uh, in the uh, early to middle part of October. So uh, tough break for men's soccer heading in there, but uh, we'll see what they can do against SMU. All right, so as we head to this big weekend with football on the road, soccer at home, uh, what are you looking forward to the most, Eric? Well, obviously the football game will be at the front end, but uh, I'm going to give you one off the, off the uh, curveball here. Uh, UCF softball will begin fall ball this weekend. Uh, so I will be actually heading out there at some point this weekend and uh, check them out. A lot of new faces. So I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm going to see the new faces, uh, get to recognize the new face because there's a lot of them. That, you know, last couple of years I've been spoiled in that. I pretty much knew who was coming back and who was who. And it was pretty much, oh, that's, yeah, I know her and I know her. This year it's a little different. I'm going to actually take some notes. So I'm probably – they're playing Friday and Saturday. Uh, you can check out UCFnights.com with that schedule. But uh, more than likely, I'll probably uh, head out there Saturday. But uh, maybe Friday night. Who knows? But uh, that's actually what I'm looking forward to, that and the football game. Yeah, two things I wanted to mention, too, also that I'm actually uh, interested in here. Tennis coming up. Um, men's tennis actually just got their preseason underway um, under their new head coach, John Roddick. Uh, in Athens, Georgia, at the Southern Intercollegiates, a uh, couple of guys getting some, uh, a couple uh, more than a few nights getting some victories over there. The women's tennis season actually starts this weekend. Uh, they're playing in the Bedford Cup, which is hosted by USF over in Tampa, uh, and so we'll see women's uh, fall schedule, women's tennis fall schedule getting uh, underway. It that leads up to the ITA regionals, which are in. Uh, late October, and then a Florida State Invitational in uh, November. There's also Florida Gulf Coast Invitational out in Tampa uh, in uh, early October before the uh, spring season starts, uh, for, and the regular, really the regular season starts for both of those uh, squats. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what tennis can do, and women's tennis in particular in their uh, opening schedule for the fall. All right, Eric, well, we'll wrap up with a quick prediction for the football game. UCF is... Uh, Three and a half point dogs. You taking the points or what? Wow. Three and a half? Yeah, give me UCF again. Three and a half. I'll take that. I'll do that. Give me UCF two, three and a half. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be high scoring. And uh, I think it's going to be one of those toss up games. It's going to be really hard for me to say. All right. So that's going to do it for us here at the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Eric Lopez, where can people find you this weekend? Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter. 
I will be on Tuck and O'Neill. Of course, I produce Tuck and O'Neill weekdays on Sports Talk 1080, the team Orlando, 3 to 7. I will be co-hosting with Mike Tuck on Friday because Jerry's on his way to Greenville. So if you're listening to this and it's uh, Friday, go to to, to Nenin. And then also be hosting the Sports Talk Florida Insider Show from Universal Hyundai at the corner of 417 Orange Blossom Trail on Saturday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Hosting the Football Insider Show 6 to 7 this Monday night from Harry Buffalo in downtown Orlando. And you're going to join me on that one. You're going right. to call in. That's right. We're going to call in, talk a little Giants. Yeah. Uh, and recap the UCF ECU game, talk UCF. But yes, Giants, Vikings, the Monday night football game uh, will take place. And then. Make a note, ladies and gentlemen, a week from this Friday, October the 7th, our very own Jeffrey Sharon. You'll be uh, filling in on Tuck and O'Neill. That's right. You'll be joining be... me, Mr. Jerry O'Neill. That's Mike right. I, am, I cannot wait for that. And I want to thank you. And I want to, I want to thank you for, for, for advocating for me. I want to thank Mike for being out of town. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I want to thank Jerry for agreeing to have me on the show, too, because uh, – Jerry's Jerry's the best. I mean, uh, I've you know we, we've been passing each other and uh, you know like ships in the night almost since you know basically for fifteen years now since I was a student and uh, uh, he's uh, I have so much uh, respect and admiration for him and Mark and the guys who've been um, doing the UCF radio for so long and uh, and it's it, it, and and working with Jerry is always a pleasure. So I'm really looking forward to that and I thank you, Eric, for advocating for me on that one. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we're gonna. Ch- you get a chance to complete the set because I know you've uh, co-hosted with Mike Tuck in the yes. past. In fact, you did that on the uh, Black Friday, if I remember. The 2014 UCF USF game is one that came to mind. You were That's able to correct. Yeah, Jerry was Jerry was down in Tampa, and uh, Mike and I hosted so, that show. Yeah. So now you'll get to uh, do it with Jerry, which is a, an experience in itself. So <laughs> I'm glad to help you make uh, make that work. So that'll be fun next Friday. So a lot there'll be a lot of UCF football talk. I have a feeling. Between the two of you uh, on that episode on that Friday, uh, October 7th, which is the game day. Think about this. You and Jerry will be on right prior to that UCF Tulane football game. So it'll be on game day. I'm on a game day. So that'll be fun. So we'll get more details about that on our next podcast. But uh, I hope everybody enjoys the games uh, this weekend. Volleyball, soccer. We wish them all the best. All right. And again, Eric Lopez, ELO on Twitter for you. Thanks Thanks for joining me again, brother. Always a pleasure, Jeffrey. All right. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Subscribe to our email list and also look us up on Facebook. Look up Black and Gold Banneret. So for Eric Lopez, my name is Jeff Sharon. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.